Lord, be glorified in your church today as we stand amid the storm and at the mercy of the Almighty God. May your church shine a light in this darkness and may we be a beacon of hope, the voice of reason, the voice of unity in this time of division, of separation, of chaos and disorder. May your name be glorified. May your church be an example, not just in what we say, but what we do and how we relate to each other and one another. And may the name glory of the Lord Jesus Christ be evident and visible in the, the lives of those who call themselves Christians. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to talk about the cost of our salvation. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll begin with verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. I want you to think about a man who was murdered unjustly. He was a target of a corrupt society that was bent on eliminating what they considered to be a danger to their statuses and their power. They falsely accused and murdered him. In his death, every nation, race, language, and tribes were brought together in one body, united not in rage or hatred, but in sacrifice and service. Picture is different than what we see today. That man, our Lord, Jesus Christ. What we should look and behold, the image of someone who gave his life for us, who knew no sin. He didn't need anyone to defend him. And in fact, when he was captured, everyone left him. But his death brought us together. His death brought unity to people of different backgrounds from every generation. His death brought us together. Remember that. The blood that flowed from his side healed divisions between brothers and sisters, fathers, mothers, friends, neighbors, and even strangers. The blood that united every kindred under the same banner of love also reconciled not only himself with us, ourselves with each other, but his father with us. He was God, he was man, and he brought us life eternally. Everything that is true, everything that is genuine has a value, has a cost. And the price for uniting people who hate each other, that price is his death. And I want to talk about that death today. I want to talk about the price that Jesus Christ paid for us and why did he die. The cost of your sin. Now, I can talk about the love that we should have for each other. But until we know what predicament we're in, until we know what the cost that caused Jesus Christ to die, we cannot appreciate the love that God has for us. So I want to talk to you about the cost of your sin. What, what we're doing that caused the Lord Jesus Christ to die. We need to understand that to understand how much He loves us. Because we can't understand love until we understand what we have done that caused Him to die. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The cause of sin or the wages of our sin is death. If you do wrong, then you deserve to die. Is that unjust? There's something wrong with our thinking. There's something wrong with society today. That we deem people who do wrong heroes and martyrs. Look at this man. Look at our God. What did he do? He had no sin. He lived a perfect life. He was a servant to all. And yet we killed him. And now we turn our backs from him and hell. Barabbas. There's a new Barabbas in town. Barabbas! Release him and crucify Jesus Christ. If you do wrong, if I do wrong, I deserve the consequence of my action. Don't I? But 2,000 years ago, they want Barabbas. They want to kill Jesus Christ. And today, we rally around Barabbas. We neglect the Lord Jesus Christ. Release that thief. Release that murderer. Have justice from to preach Christ is to tell the story of what caused him to die. We're no good. We've done nothing good. Everything that we have done has been wrong. And we must understand the gravity of our sin that caused him to die. And yet, he did it all without sin. Until we understand the price that Jesus Christ paid for us, our sin we can't see it, and we cannot see the value of his sacrifice on the cross. We don't know Jesus Christ until we get to know ourselves. We get to know how depraved and how wicked and how sinful we are. You stand here before God, not because what you can do or what you have done right, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. To contemplate Jesus Christ is to gaze upon that work that he did on the cross. That's what it means to contemplate Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 said this, But we all with an open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as the Spirit of the Lord. We cannot be changed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ until we take our time and gaze into that glory. We take our time to gaze into the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you contemplated the Lord Jesus Christ? In, in your daily life, in your homes, that you are staying at home, I can't fathom when we are still out and about. We have places to go. We have our jobs and our work that we go to. Now, some of you may have that. But most of us, are, we stay at home. And yet, how much time do you spend in your daily lives gazing into the glorious face of the Lord Jesus Christ? How much time do we spend on, well, what do you spend your time on? And the scripture says, if you behold the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you contemplate, if you think about Jesus Christ, then you will be changed from glory to glory. The reason why we are hopelessly sad and in despair and lost and confused because we don't spend time contemplating the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't think about Him. We don't think about what He has done for us. We don't think about His work and the cost that He paid for us. That is why we are living in this darkness, in this despair, in this valley. Spend some time and contemplate Christ. But if the while I think on thee, dear friend, our losses are restored and sorrows end. The joy that comes when you 
think when you contemplate on someone you love, someone who loves you. Try it. You find glory in your life. What is sin? Sin is the violation of God's command. Adam sinned when he disobeyed God, direct order not to eat from that tree. When a person willingly violates God's law, he challenges God's authority and power. And when you challenge God's authority and power, there's only one outcome. You lose. But I don't know. I don't know God's law. Who is God? Exodus chapter 5 verse 2. There was a man who said that. I'll tell you what happened to him. Ignorant of God is sin. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. He died in the Red Sea in pursuing the people of God. Ignorant is not an excuse. You can't say that you don't know the Lord, especially if you are hearing my voice today, if you're watching this, you're listening to this, there is no excuse for you to say, who is the Lord? Ignorant is a sin. That is a sin that will have a consequence. That is a sin that will ultimately get you buried in the Red Sea. Not knowing God is not a valid excuse not to obey His voice. Pharaoh can say, who is the Lord? But when the Lord spoke to him, he should obey. Because if you don't obey the Lord, you go against His will, there are consequences of challenging God's authority. And I can tell you, no one challenges God's authority and wins. No one ever has. Ignorant is not an excuse. It is a sin. Psalm says, the fool said in his heart, there is no God. Just the mention, just the, you have to know there is a God to say there is no God. It has to be part of your vocabulary. Unrighteousness is a sin. Every morally wrongful act is a sin. If you think in your heart and have desire, lustful desire, Jesus says, you sin already. You don't even have to act it out. You sin already. We're living in a society where you can think whatever you want and now you can act whatever you want and still be held a hero. It's so twisted. Jesus says, if you even think in your heart sinful thoughts, you already committed sin. There is such a higher standard of holiness for Christians. I want what is mine. I want my right. Jesus says, if they want your shirt, give them your coat. If they want you to walk with them a mile, walk too. If they slap you on the left, give them the right. Where is that now? in our society. Even in the church as Christian, do we throw the first punch? It's all in here and it's all in here. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. Unto the pure all things are pure. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. You see, what comes out of us defiles, not what's coming in. Jesus says, clean the inside and the outside will also be cleansed. So if your mind and your conscience is defiled, nothing is clean. It's like you have dirt 
in your eyes. Jesus says, remove that log, then you can see clearly and remove the speck out of your brother's eye. So we need to have our conscience or our minds clean by contemplating on Christ before we open our mouth and make these judgments. No one pursues after righteousness, Paul says. No one pursues after righteousness. Everyone does what's right in their own eye. And James says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is sin. Unrighteousness is a sin. Knowing that you should do something and you don't do it, that's a sin. Then the wages of sin is death. What is the consequence of sin? Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sin had hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sin will cause the brokenness in our relationship with God. That's what caused Adam to die. Is his relationship with God was broken when he sinned. He committed trespass against God. A broken relationship with God will cause us to be separated from God forever. And that's what we call eternal condemnation. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Solomon said, For everything there is a season, there is a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to born and a time to die. This is the time for us to be reconciled to God. There will be a time when this will be over and the time of judgment will come. In this time of grace, in this time that God is still with patience, beckoning us to come back into the fold, Jesus says, I stretch out my arm daily waiting. This is the time that God says, come home. This is the time that God come and reconcile to him. And there will be a time where that is over. And that is called judgment. God's justice and righteousness will prevail when sinners receive the just recompense. There is a time for everything and there's a time for you to come to the Lord and then there will be a time for judgment. And that time will come. Proverbs 11:31. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. Now, if you do right and you get persecuted for it, you don't have to worry. God will be the just God who will judge rightly and justify you. But if you do wrong, much more the wicked and sinners. There will be time when your sin will find you out. There will be time when your sin proclaim on the rooftops of houses. God will not let any unrighteous act go unpunished. There will be a time when judgment. We all wait for that, don't we? We all wait for the time when those people that hurt us, those people that did wrong things to us, will be brought to justice. And now let me let, let you see the other side. There will be time when our injustices will be brought into light. There will be time when all the things that you do wrong will be open and unfold before the Lord. Now is the time for us to come to the Lord. Now is the time to wash our hands in innocency. Everyone will receive what they have earned unto every unbeliever. The just payment for their wickedness is eternal damnation and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure. I love the King James, don't you? Uh, people watching, you seeing what's on the screen there? 
and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that counted pleasure to riot in daytime. Do what you wish. But know this, God will bring you into judgment. Everything that you do, young people, God will bring you into judgment. Ecclesiastes 11.9 God is not a man that he should lie. He will bring every wicked act into judgment. Alright, that's the law. Here's the gospel. The price Jesus paid. Romans 5, 6-8 For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. I am an ungodly. Every person who was ever born by a man and woman is ungodly. And Christ died for me. Christ died for you. For scarcely, for a righteous man will one die yet, for adventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is what Jesus Christ has done for you and I. While we were yet sinners, can you fathom the gravity of your sin and the love of God? Can you contrast between how depraved we are and how holy Christ is and that he traded his holy life for our wicked life? The ungodly have no strength to save himself. The swamp that where sinners are held captive in the devil's prison, we are unable to save ourselves. So Christ came and saved us out of that in vain. It's like a swamp. It's like a it's like quicksand. You can't save yourself. You need someone outside to save you. And Jesus Christ did that for you. And you know, he didn't just stand outside and pull you out. He went into the swamp. He went into the quagmire to get you out and took your place. Because there's a consequence to the sin and wickedness and ungodliness that we all partake. And that all that was put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Without Christ, the ungodly has no hope, no recourse, nothing to hold on except waiting to appear before the Almighty. Christ suffered for our sins. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18, our main verse today, For Christ also had one suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. I want you to focus on this word once. He did it once. He will not do it again. He does it once. There is a time, there is a season, there is one calling for you and I to come to the Lord. He did it once. And when you hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in days of old, but turn to Him that you will be saved. There is a God who comes to take the place of the unrighteous, the righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust. You will not find a mob of indignant protesters demanding justice for Jesus Christ. He doesn't need one. He came to save us. He came to die for us. He did it willingly. And he had no sin. He had no sin. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't need you to go down into the streets protest for him. He doesn't need you. He does it for you. He does it to save us. The Son of God wants no justice from us. He doesn't need justice from us. Our governments, our authority, He doesn't. He is beyond the justices of men. 
Isaiah condemns man righteousness as filthy rags. We think, we think our righteousness, we think our justice is somehow valuable. The Son of God doesn't need it. His righteousness, His justice is beyond ours. And He is the one that we need to hold on to. His righteousness and His justice. The Lord tell Peter to put away his sword when he took out his sword and tried to defend him when the people came to arrest him. Put away your sword, Peter. What do you think? You can defend my honor? You can defend me? The justice? You can't. No one. All of our righteousnesses are filthy rags. You use the sword, you will die by the sword. Put your sword away. Put your gears away. Hold on to Jesus Christ. God's righteous justice demands godly righteousness. He doesn't demand our righteousness. There's nothing that we can do that we can repay for what Jesus Christ has done or repay for our sin. Without sin, without false, blameless, and harmless, Christ willingly commits himself into the hands of sinners to be killed to redeem us. God did not react to our sins. I want you to remember this. God did not react. God didn't just send Jesus Christ when Adam sinned. He had a plan. He knew. He's not ignorant of how wicked we can become. He's not confused. He's not fearful. He's not reacting because, oh no, Adam sinned. I need to do something. No, that's not the God that I serve. God knew all this. God knew the depravity of man's heart. We do not need to work out our righteousness. God knew, so he sent his son. And he knew how corrupt and ungodly we are before we even recognize it. And out of his love, he prepared his son from the foundation of the world to put away our sin by sacrificing himself. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ suffered from the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world that he may appear to put away sin by sacrificing himself. This is righteousness. Righteousness is not when we demand what is ours. Righteousness is when we sacrifice ourselves on behalf of others. That's who Christians are. We sacrifice ourselves in service. Paul says, If I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. This is what Christians are supposed to do. We rejoice in giving ourselves, in sacrificing ourselves, in serving each other. That's, that's the definitive mark of a Christian. I joy and rejoice with you all. Jesus Christ must die for our sin, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. This is the gospel. We can't have the gospel unless we talk about the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I stand here, if you, don't tell, if you don't hear me talk about the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have not preached the gospel. I preach philosophy of man. It might sound good, but it's not the gospel. Jesus Christ was put to death because of our sin, and he died and he rose again. Now let me explain this. The wages of sin is eternal death, and therefore it requires you to die eternally. Because you violated an eternal God, and therefore you must die eternally. When Jesus Christ died, He died eternally. Let that sink into your mind right now. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh when He was on that cross, He died eternally. It was an eternal death. That is what God is talking about when He talks, once you eat of this fruit, you will die. God is talking about eternal death. He's not talking about a physical death because guess what? Adam still had kids. He was still alive. 
So when Jesus Christ was on that cross, he died an eternal death for you, for me. That was the death that he died because we all were condemned to die an eternal death. And on that cross, he died an eternal death. Now, I know in your mind, you think, well, if he died an eternal death, then shouldn't he be dead? He should be dead. If any of us die an eternal death, we should be dead. But what does the scripture say? But quickened by the Spirit. Oh, death has no hold on him. You see, death is an enemy. Death is a thing. It's an entity. And between death and your Lord Jesus Christ, it has no hold on him. It cannot hold him in the grave. Death has no power over the Lord Jesus. There's victory in Christ over death. And that to prove to you one thing, that there is no death. There is no eternal death for those who are in Christ. There's no longer death. Death cannot triumph over you. I'm not talking about this mortality. He's talking about immortality. These two things are different. And so when he rose again from the dead, he has now proven that death has no hold on him. That has no power over him. And that proves to you that death has no power for, over those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also in vain. That is why we must preach that Christ rose from the dead, because death has no victory over those who are in Christ. So rejoice, death has no victory, death has no sting on those who are in Christ. Otherwise, I might as well go home and play game. My preaching will be in vain. Your faith will be in vain. Everything that we do is in vain. But it's not in vain because the Lord Jesus Christ has risen. He's alive. So will come death. I hope you understand this. I hope you grab onto this and meditate on this because this is what Jesus Christ has done for us. None of us can suffer eternal death. None of us can. But all of us will if we do not have Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God that Jesus Christ paid that price for you and I so that we can have this inheritance of life. In rising from the dead, he proved that he's not only the Lord of the living, but he's also the Lord of the dead. Those who died in Christ will, ri will rise again. Romans 14.9 For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. A new life in Christ. The law, the gospel, now you. New life in Christ. Has the precious sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ redeemed you? Do you realize what price Christ paid to reconcile you to God? Last part, which is the middle part of our verse today. That when he died for your sin, when he suffered for your sin, and he died and he rose again for your sin for one purpose, and that purpose is that he might bring us to God, 1 Peter 3.18, that he might bring you to God. Are you with God right now? Do you stand, do you find yourself standing in the presence of God right now? If you're not, then the question is, has Christ died for you? Is there a new life in Christ? Are you standing in the presence of God? Is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you have it in the censer that you bring into that holy place? Stop doing what the flesh wants. Really, Stop doing what the flesh wants you. We must learn to begin to say no to the flesh. Take up your cross daily. That's what it means by denying yourself. Stop doing what your flesh is telling you to do. Until we come to have control over our flesh. Have you ever tried to fast? Have you ever tried 
to do things that are contrary to what your stomach, your mind, your friends tell you to do. Think about those things and give yourself some time to step on the side and look at yourself as a third person and say, what if I don't? What if I don't do what I want to do? What if I say no to this flesh? Try it. You might be surprised that the power of God rested in those who obey the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Do not give your flesh reason. Oh, I study so hard. Now I deserve to play some game. Oh, reason. The flesh is good. Stop! Don't give it. Make not provision. Don't give it room. Don't give it space. Don't give in to your lust. When you give yourself reason, you take it. Well, it's you that give yourself reasons, right? My purpose today is to make that gray area in your life black. That's my purpose. That darkness that you don't think is dark because you have excuse and reason for it. Today, I want to make those areas black and white so that we make the right decision. Those things that you do, if it's not righteous, then it's sin. You know what is right and you don't do what is right, that is sin. So I hope, I hope this is disturbing to you. I hope this is hard. I hope that you really want to turn me off and tell me to stop talking because this is hard. This is raging on your conscience because that's what the gospel is supposed to do. The gospel is supposed to convict us. Because what? Because it's hard to spend time and study. But you know you have to do it. And it's easy to play games because it's easy, but you know it won't get you anywhere. So there has to be a moment in our lives when we got to grow up. Put away the childish things and start holding on to what's real. We can sit all day at home on the internet in our comfortable chair and point finger and shout and say this and that until you go out there and start doing something. We're only lying to ourselves. We are fake. Christ has redeemed you, not so that you can revel in your lust, free of guilt and condemnation. Don't quote Romans 8.1. Until you're ready to live that last part of it. Those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But it's not in my Bible. It's in my Bible. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. It is the law of God that set you free. It's not what you think. It's not what you know. It's the law of God that set you free from condemnation and from death. Be it far from you that you should trample on the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as it is a light thing for you to sin and think lightly of it. Hebrews 10.26 for if we sin willfully after that we have received knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Christ died once. That's it. He will not die again and again and again and be put to open shame. He will not. He died once. That's it. You must stop. Turn to Jesus. And this is what, if you don't know what to say, Use the word of the Lord. John 6, 28. What must I do that I might work the works of God?
You see, Jesus Christ died. He suffered for your sin so that you sit there wherever you are at and be comfortable and enjoy your life. No, that He reconciled you to God. And when you stand in the presence of God Almighty, you are like Isaiah in that holy place. And He said, God, send me. I want to do something for you. This is the, this is the constitution of someone who has been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. You will stand before God and say, God, I must do something for you. I have to do something for you. You have done so much for me. I have seen so much. I've seen so much blood was shed for me. I can't just do nothing. What must I do that I might work the work of God? And here's the answer. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? This is the first step. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? We must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And believing is what? Believing is not, yes, I agree with what you say. No, believing is that I believe in what you say and I'm going to attempt to do them because your spirit will give me the power and the unction to actually do these things. That's what believing. Believing is that is that, that road leads to eternal life. Well, if I believe that, I'm walking it. I can't just stand there at the crossroad and look, I believe that's the way to eternal life. You need to start walking in that life. That's what believing means. Believe Christ had redeemed you by His sacrifice. Your sin had no dominion over you. You will be able to walk. You will be able to overcome your sin. You will be overcome all the things that troubled you today. You are now free from the, the bondage of corruption. You will be able to say no to your flesh. You will triumph. You can stand before God clothed in righteousness and in Christ. That's what believing in Jesus Christ means. Believe that when the Lord says, I had not seen, nor ear heard, nor mind had conceived the things that God had prepared for those who loved Him. You have not seen anything yet. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Start obeying Him, then your eyes will be opened and you will see the incredible things that God had prepared for those who love Him. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Contemplate. Think about Him. And start walking in faith. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, raise us up, cause us to our hearts and our minds to gravitate like magnets to you this morning. Lord, and if your spirit is stirring our hearts and causes us to be uncomfortable, let it be, Lord. Let it be that we are no longer soothed in the comfort of our own imaginations, but be rallied, be pricked by the spirit so that we rise, so that we get out, so that we jump out of our comfortable chairs and bed and wherever we stand and to come to you and say, what must I do, Lord? What must I do? Show me. Cause your spirit to reveal in me the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Cause me to understand the gravity of my sin and the price that was paid for me. Cause me, Lord God, to no longer look at myself and see that I, I'm something that is magnificent, that's wonderful but cause me to see myself in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That I am righteous because of what Jesus Christ has paid for me. And that my standing before the Lord God is because of the blood that was shed for me. Lord, cause us as the people, as the church, to begin to look at the Lord Jesus Christ and behold the glorious image of the Savior with gratitude, with faith, Lord, and with the moxie to come before you and say, Lord, I'm nobody. Just a child 
someone who's weak and poor and needy. But Lord, I know that by the power of your gospel, by the power of your word, just say the word, Lord. Just say the word and you will cause me to be whatever you have prepared and planned for me. Cause us to be a people of faith. Cause us to be a people of truth, of sincerity. The things that we say, the things that we do are aligned, Lord. And let our praise and let our worship be aligned with the way we live our lives. Examine every minute of our lives so that nothing will go to waste. That no time that we spent frivolously, that everything that we do will be honorable and toward the kingdom's goal. In the name of Jesus, I pray.